Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still very much am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in this business we call acting. (laughs) This is episode number 10. Holy crow. How did that happen? My guest this week is Ken Arnold. Ken Arnold is a former Major League Baseball player turned actor. Well, I should say turned actor, filmmaker, acting coach, baseball coach, multifaceted, wonderfully talented guy, hilarious guy. This was a really interesting conversation because the similarities between professional sports and acting are staggering. And it's funny because I think a lot of us grew up as kind of theater kids, and there was a big divide stereotypically between the theater kids and the athletes, right? I mean, so much so that they wrote like a high school musical about it. But the similarities between the two, they're astounding, right? There's so many similarities. How many times can I say the word similarities? Anyways, I won't go into too much detail because we talk about this a ton in this episode. And I want to chat a bit more at the end of the episode about the idea of competitiveness. Because we talk about this a lot in the episode, but I want to chat about it as well too, kind of at the end. But I won't keep you any longer. Please enjoy the wonderful, the hilarious, the super talented Ken Arnold. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm well, how are you? I'm great, thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm excited. I was reading over your bio and looking at your IMDb before we came on here today. I was so excited to talk to you. I think my spouse was excited I was talking to you as well, because he's a big fan of The Wire. Ah, yes, The Wire. Yeah, that was the uh, staple around here in Baltimore, in the Baltimore area for a long time. And uh uh, a lot of my friends were on the show. I was fortunate enough to be on the show. Uh, one of my first uh, on-camera roles back, you know, in the in the uh, early 2000s, and I, I'm just, you know, happy to be a part of it. And I'm still in groups, and we talk about it all the time on Facebook, and it's a lot of fun. What a way to start with a role in one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah, very fortunate. So I got to thank Pat Pat Moran at Pat Moran Casting in Baltimore. She's been fantastic. Uh, a lot of great roles uh, that I got through her office. So I, I really have to thank her for uh, giving me some of the best opportunities in my career. Why don't you tell me about your career? How did you get started? Well, tell me about your journey first before you started acting, because it's pretty special. Out of college, well, I went to college for uh, business administration and management, but essentially I went to college for baseball. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed playing baseball ever since I was a little kid. It was my dream to be in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, that's where I centered all of my and focused all of my energies playing baseball. Now, I was a good student, too. That's how I got into college. I was able to uh, secure an academic scholarship. But baseball was my thing. Growing up, I had a baseball field in my backyard. My dad built me a baseball field so I could just go and play with the kids in the neighborhood every day, all day long. And, uh, you know, I went to college and played baseball there for four years, and I did well. And it's a small school in New York City in Staten Island, the borough of Staten Island. And um, from there, I was being scouted, and they told me I was going to get drafted in the Major League Draft, and that didn't happen. And I, you know, I thought it was crushed. I was absolutely devastated. And then about a week after the draft, the Chicago Cubs called 
and they said, hey, we have a, a roster spot for you if you would like it. Uh, you're going to be a non-drafted free agent, you know. So it's kind of just like, you know, here's here's a few hundred dollars. Come join us to play. You know, I didn't get a million dollar signing bonus or anything like that. They just gave me an opportunity to play. And it changed my life. It sent me on a direction that I never expected. So it was it was uh, one of the, one of the key turning points in my life. And it led me to acting. But at that time, if you would have asked me, do you think you would ever be an actor? When I was 21 years old and you asked me that question, I would have laughed hysterically and just walked away from you. Because I would never, ever guessed I would have been an actor, ever. So what happened? What changed? Uh, well, I started. I went and played for the Cubs. And when I got there, they told me, they said, look, you're, you're an undrafted free agent. You're really not going to play that much. And, you know, you're going to back up guys who are higher draft picks. And I was like, fine. I was fine with that. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to be involved. And you're going to pay me to play a sport. Now, it wasn't a lot, right? It was It was pennies. But... I was just glad to be out there playing baseball, playing a sport, doing, you know, pursuing the dream I've, I've wanted to do since I was just a little kid. And then what happened was somebody got hurt. And when we broke spring training and went, they made me the starting shortstop. Well, when I got there, I was playing so well, they could never take me out of the lineup. So I made the all-star team. I got invited to uh, Fall League, uh, Arizona Fall League, which never happens for undrafted free agents. You know, it's very rare. You know, they were writing articles that, you know, I'm playing myself into a prospect and all this exciting stuff was happening. Well, the last series of the summer, the season, I felt something funny in my knee. My knee, just something weird happened. And then the next day, I couldn't even walk. My knee swelled up and it was just... So long story short... I had to go to Chicago. I had to have surgery. I couldn't go to the fall league. And, you know, it was very disappointing very, uh, it, because I was looking forward to that. You know, I, I had done all the right things, and I was in a good position, and they were looking at me in a different light now. Instead of being the non-drafted guy, I was now a prospect. Not a suspect, but a prospect. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, and I, I went home for the for the off season, and I worked out, and I got I rehabbed everything, and I came back, and um, the second year was not as good as the first. I got hurt the beginning of the season. I got hit by a pitch, broke my hand, and missed the first six weeks of the year. But I still won a Gold Glove that second year, and then from there, uh, I got released. The following spring training, they had brought in all these new front office people. Uh, head of the minor leagues came in, new guy and everything, and and his name was Sid Thrift. Now, he didn't like me. For whatever reason, he didn't like me. It was just fine. So they released me, and I went and played in Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, uh, for the Thunder Bay Whiskey Jacks in Canada. I had a great time. Yes, I had a great time up there. It was a beautiful place in the summertime, you know, right at the top of Lake Superior. Yeah. Uh, it is very cold in the lake, even in the summer. It's yep. Yes, it, you can't stay in there very long. <laughs> I will no. say that. But I had a great season. Signed with the Orioles. I uh, played for the Orioles in 1994, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, and that's how I wound up living where I live now, in Annapolis, Maryland. Things were looking great. I, I had a great season with the Orioles. Uh, they gave me a huge raise. I, finally, I was making some money playing baseball. It was exciting. I was like, wow, I've never made this money as much money doing anything. This is incredible. But a week after I signed my contract, the Orioles hired a new minor league director. And guess who it was? Oh, no. 
the same guy from the Cubs, Sid Thrift. So sure enough, I was gone in a matter of, uh, you know, a couple weeks. <laughs> so, And then I went to Winnipeg. So I went and played in Winnipeg. So that's how I wound up in Winnipeg. And these were independent leagues, the one in Thunder Bay and the one in Winnipeg, just to keep playing. They were still professional, but they weren't affiliated with a major league organization. So I went to Winnipeg and I played in Winnipeg. Again, had a great time up there. We made it to the championship. We didn't win, but, you know, we were there. After that season, I signed with the Texas Rangers. But by this time, and the manager of the team called me into his office and was like, look, you're, you're kind of old now. You know, you're 25. You're old. I was like, oh, great. I'm old. All right. You know, <laughs> thinking now I'm twice that. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, now I'm old. Now I feel old. But at 25, I didn't feel old at all. And I was still playing pretty well. Made the all-star team that year as well. It, you know, my minor league career went pretty well for me. Uh, played in Winnipeg. Had a great season. Signed with Texas Rangers. Well, Texas, in that in Texas, I didn't play at all. Very rare. I played maybe once a week. And, you know, I was the older guy on the team. They had young prospects, uh, which was fine. I just was in it. You know, I was just in baseball just to be in baseball at this point because I loved it. I just, that's what I wanted to do. Well, at the end of the 96 season, 1996, with the Texas Rangers, I went home and I was waiting for my new contract and find out, well, I get a letter in the mail one day and it's a pink slip. It's actually pink. And I open it up, and it says, we are not going to renew your contract. And and this is a true story. I, I set the letter down. I went and laid down on the couch, like, thinking, I'm, what am I going to do now, right? Well, while I'm laying there, I'm watching TV. I'm watching Days of Our Lives, so the soap opera. And it became our favorite. Like, all the guys on the team when, throughout the years of playing baseball, we would always watch Days of Our Lives. You know, that was our thing. We were like, all right, all right, we're going to – so we would all watch Days of Our Lives. And then we would talk about it, you know, in the locker room or whatever. So I'm laying there, and I'm just watching Days of Our Lives, and I'm like – and the guy on there, John Black, his, his real name is Drake Hogenstein. I knew he used to play minor league baseball for the Yankees. And I'm just watching it, and I'm like, wait a second. And I sit up, and I go, wait a second. I could be as bad as that. <laughs> And that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, my God. So I went over to the Yellow Pages because that's what we used to have to do to find a phone number, the phone book. I, I looked in the Yellow Pages, and I found Marilyn Hall for the Creative Arts, which is a, an art place uh, uh, um, yeah, not too far from here. And um, I called them up, and I said, hey, do you guys have any acting classes? And they said, we do. We have one starting tonight. And I said, I'll be there. So I went to the class, and you know, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the instructor. I loved the other students. I loved just having fun. We were doing improv. We were doing other acting exercises. And it was just fun. And, you know, I was just in, in the class at this point. I didn't know what was going on. Well, the instructor, a few weeks in, said to me, he said, hey, you should get a picture and send it out. You know, I think that you, you could be working right away. And I was like, yeah, you know. So anyway, I went and got a headshot. And it was awful, by the way. One of the worst pictures, I think, ever of me. But I sent it out, and within a week, two weeks, I was working. And I went to work and loved it, every aspect of it. Uh, it was Homicide, the NBC series. It was just extra work, but it was amazing. I just found that atmosphere incredible. 
And uh, I just kept sending it out, and everything snowballed from there. I started taking more classes, uh, getting more work, industrial videos, corporate videos, theater. I started doing theater. I took classes at Shakespeare Theater. I took classes in New York City, at Second City, improv. I, I just couldn't get enough of it. And I was still doing this while I was playing. Wow. So I would play in the summer, and then the off season, I would just focus on taking classes and, and just – trying to hone my craft and in 1999 which was the last year i played my wife had just had our second child and i walked out of the delivery room i called my agent and i said i'm not playing baseball anymore and then i called the general manager of the team i was playing for and i said i'm done you know i i I didn't want to leave my wife at home with two small kids for seven months eight months out of the year i just didn't want to do it she had supported me for so long, and you know I didn't want her. And now, don't get me wrong; she can handle it. You know, my wife could take care of all of that, but I didn't want to miss anything that my my kids were doing. You know, she would call me up. My first child, she would call me up. Oh, he walked today for the first time. Well, I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, he said his first word. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it was awful. So I just said, "That's it." Now I could have stayed in baseball for years. I could have been a lifer. What's called a lifer. I could have stayed playing minor league baseball. Some of my friends did. Uh, they chose that path, and they played for 18, 20 years in the minor leagues, and then they became coaches or scouts or front office people. And I could have done that, but I just I didn't want to be away. So mm-hmm. I, I quit, and uh, I got a job. I bought a business, a uh, fitness center, and I, I was a partner in that for a few years. And then I finally – the work started to come in, the wire and other things – and I just said, you know what? I'm done with that. Let me just focus on being an actor. So, Wow. Wow, that was a lot. I, I talked for a very long time. No, that's a fascinating <laughs> story. So, so do you think, were you ever, were there ever hints of the creative aspect of acting when you were growing up? Or was it really, truly the light bulb moment when you were lying on the couch watching Days of Our Lives? I think there were hints of it because I was always like the class clown kind of a person. You know, I always had to be the center of attention a little bit in certain situations. And uh, here's the, here's the one situation that I didn't even realize it. But when I was with the Texas Rangers, every spring training, they have a talent competition, you know, just for fun. And we all have to do something, sing, dance, whatever. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know. What, do I, you know, what am I going to do? You know what I did? I wrote a script and performed it. Awesome. You know? So it was a commercial for, uh, what was it? It was for fake uh, sports enhancement stuff. You know, take take this, and <laughs> next week you'll be, you know, you'll be in the big leagues. And unfortunately, it was true for a lot of guys. Oh, <laughs> so. Probably, and in that, in that era too, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so don't, it's true for this era too. You, they just, they're ahead of the game. They're ahead of the right. test. Yeah, so, they're that one yeah. step ahead. Yeah. Now – has there anything that you've noticed you've brought in from your career as a professional baseball player into your career as a you're, – you're an actor, you're a director, producer, writer. Mm-hmm. Anything you've noticed that is translatable from that career? Uh, most of it. Um, yeah, most of it is. I, I mean, you've got to put the work in. You've got to practice. You've got to hone the details of your craft. You can't just show up and expect your talent just to be – you know, because everybody around you is at the highest level. Mm. And you, you can't not be prepared. You've got to be at the top of your game. And if you're not, you know, it's, it's, 
it's I've been in rooms um, where I was just working the camera and doing all you know uh, recording auditions for Pat Moran. I, I worked for her for a little while, and um, you know the slightest little tiny thing was the difference between that person making no money and a job for fifty thousand hmm. dollars. You know, and it was just because. They didn't like one little tiny thing about what they, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a yeah. very fine line, whether you're working or you're not in this industry. Yes. And you've got to be at the top of your game and you've got to put your best foot forward. So you've got to put the time in. You've got to do drills. And by drills, I mean, you've got to learn a monologue. You've got to do a scene. You've got to be in a class. You've got to be working on your voice. You've got to stay in shape. You've got to do the things that make you the best person that you can possibly be so that you're the best actor you can possibly be. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really, your first act is really interesting compared to a lot of other people I've talked to whose first act like myself involved, you know, university college, going to school to train to become the thing where your first act, I think it's very similar to people who are actors their whole lives. And the fact that I bet a lot of people think pro athlete, that's just, pure talent. He was born with it, right? It's he, it's a natural ability. Same with actors, right? Like big actors who've make it. Oh yeah. Like we knew just this natural ability to do this. We're no, I so agree with you. There's so much behind the scenes of work that gets put in that we just don't see. And we don't appreciate as members of the general public staring at you on TV. That is true. Um, I, 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 when I first started acting, the the bad habits that I had that didn't work for on camera, yeah, uh, the I was nervous. I was afraid for a long time. I would shake. My left hand would shake uncontrollably. You know, I learned to stick it in my pocket so it wouldn't do that. But uh, the difference between now, where I'm at now, because I just go out there and I just do my job, and it's just like you know, you know, a walk in the park because I don't get nervous anymore. Mm. But in the beginning, I was so afraid. And, you know, are they – are my hands – how are my hands? Are, am I standing here correctly? What am I – you know, are they looking at me? Yeah, they're looking at you. So yeah. uh, it, it was – and because I kept getting out there and doing the things I needed to do, it became second nature. It became uh, – I'm not going to say easy because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But I, I was just relaxed. And I always say that acting is the art of relaxation. And I learned that mm-hmm. from somebody else. I didn't, and I didn't come up with that. But it is the art of relaxation. That you're relaxed enough that when you're in front of the camera or you're on stage or you're in the audition room, to be able to do whatever it is you want to do in that moment. So, and because, and I tell, I teach acting classes. And I tell every actor that comes into my class, you are a great actor. You just don't realize that yet. There is only one of you. There is only one of you that looks like you and sounds like you and has experiences like you. And you just need to be able to hone that and work at that so that you can let that out. Mm. And a lot Mm. of actors come into the class, especially younger ones, and they just want the quick fix. You know, do you have the magic bullet so I can become a star tomorrow? I'm like, hmm. I, you know, I can't help you with that. If you're here because of that, you're here for the wrong reason. Yeah. And that sounds like how a lot of people I think would think of professional baseball players, right? Where's Mm -hmm. the magic bullet? Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to be a star right now. No, you got to work at it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You got to work at it. And I still coach baseball 
and uh, I see these kids that have amazing talent, but they just don't want to put the work in. Mm. And guess what? They become the legend that was the high school legend who nobody ever heard about beyond high school because they didn't mm. put the work in. They didn't yeah. do the things that they needed to do, whether it was get good grades or whether it was to stay in shape or you know, practice and hone the skills. Other kids caught up to them and passed them. Mm. Didn't have to, but that's the way it worked out. Yeah. So. yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone who's interested in switching into a career in acting or even, you know, professional sports, like getting there, like the high school kid who's trying to figure out what to do with their life? Any advice? Uh, I, I say this to every actor that walks into my class and I tell them the number one thing that you need to be is prepared. And whatever you need to do to get to that level, whether it's learn a new monologue, do a scene, take a class, whatever it is. You know, it's the same thing with the kids that I coach in baseball because, you know, you think you're the big fish right now, but you're the big fish in the little pond. You go and you go to a big Division One school and you think you're going to be the big fish. No, you're not because now you're in the bigger pond and everybody has talent. Everybody is good. And then if you are fortunate enough and are, you know, 1% of the 1% that actually get to play professional baseball, right, or a professional sport, whatever it is, then everybody is good. Everybody is fast. Everybody is strong. Everybody can do it. It's not like high school where maybe three kids, maybe three kids are good. Usually it's just the one kid that really stands out and can make it to the next level. But you know, I always tell them, be prepared. Do the things – when you look back on your career, whether it's acting, baseball, whatever it is, when you look back, don't say to yourself, I should have, could have, would have done this, this, and this. You know, you should have said, I put that work in. I showed up. I was there. I did the things that – you know, and it just didn't work out. It just didn't – you know, I just – whatever for whatever reason. Because I know at the professional level, in baseball and in acting – it has to be the right situation, the right circumstances, the right opportunity at the right time. And you have to be prepared, right? Doesn't mean you weren't good enough. Doesn't mean that, right? I, I played for the Orioles. I was a shortstop. They had a guy by the name of Cal Ripken. Never took a day off. So there wasn't a lot of upward mobility in the Baltimore Orioles organization. To I, You couldn't. He was there for 2,000, you know, 132 straight games, you know. So there was no upward. I wasn't going anywhere in that organization, but that was the situation and the opportunity that I was handed, right? So it's just the way it works. Has there been anything that's really surprised you about the entertainment industry now that you've been in it? There are people in this industry who are solely out for themselves. That surprises me. You know, because you can't do it by yourself. And that there are a lot of people who, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being competitive. I don't mind that. But I see a lot of people who are bitter and desperate. And it just amazes me that they are so negative about everything. I said, why, why are you doing this then? If you're not in it to have fun, enjoy yourself and, you know, help others get ahead. Why, why are you here? Why are you? So that kind of surprises me, you know, but I it, like anything, anything's competitive, right? Yeah. You know, if you want to get to the top of whatever it is you're doing. So I understand it. 
it's just surprising to see that there are so many people that are like that, that are, you know, in that you know, cutthroat situation. I don't, I'm not like that, you know? Yeah. And I wonder, does that come from your, I mean, you played team sports your whole life and now people are wanting to play a solo sport, strangely. Yes, I, I think that's part of it. Um, I understand the concept, especially in filmmaking. I produce films now, and um, it, you know, it's a collaboration of a team of people, and you need the best people you can get, and they all have to come together. And if they don't, it's going to fall apart. You know, so um, yeah, you can't have one person that's just trying to do their own thing when you're trying to create. Something that has so many, um, you know, cogs in the in the machinery, so to speak. Tell me about a funny, fun, or your favorite on set story. On set in class in theater. Uh, I, I I have a ton. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, okay, here's a funny one. You know, because I. All right, I'm gonna tell this one, and. It's it's a little it's not a little it's a little risque but not too bad right okay. I'm not going to use any bad words I'm going to use all the correct terms. right right I'm working on a movie called Abduction Taylor Lautner is the star Alfred Molina from you know uh, oh yeah yes so he's he's the guy the CIA agent that I work for in the movie so uh, we're shooting our scenes one day and we're sitting at lunch. And John Singleton, the director, is sitting right across from me, and Alfred Molina is sitting next to him. And then a bunch of the other actors who were in the scene that day were sitting, and the tent is filled. There's like 100 people in there. The cast, the crew, extras, there's like, you know, it's just a ton of people in this tent. And Alfred, or Fred, he likes to be called Fred. So Fred says, uh, yeah, so let's go around the table. What are you doing? He points at the one actor. What are you doing? What, what else you got going on? And that actor's like, well, you know, I'm going to be doing this. I uh, just shot a pilot for NBC and it got picked up. I'm going to be doing that. So, um, and then he goes to the next actor, that actor. And these, these actors are from LA, right? I'm not. I'm from Annapolis, Maryland, right? So I'm from the DC, Baltimore area. So he goes to the next actor. So what do you got going on? Well, I just worked on this feature film with so-and-so, and you know, that's coming out. Well, then he gets to me, and he goes, ah, well, so what are you working on? And I said, well, I just shot a video for the Nurses Association of America called Inspecting the Penis. And I, I'm the host of that. I'm the host of Inspecting. He goes, wait, did you just say Inspecting the Penis? I said, yes. He goes, Hold on. Were you the penis? I go, no, 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 no. I wasn't. I was the host of the video, like the doctor in the, you know, you know, talking about this is what you do when you inspect the penis. He goes, hold on. He stands up in the middle of the tent and goes, everyone, everyone. And everybody stops and just gets quiet. And he's like, this young actor right here just shot the video inspecting the penis. He was not the penis, but... He hosted it. And everybody started laughing, right? John Singleton takes his tray, shakes his head, and just gets up and leaves. <laughs> and I felt I felt this big. I was like, oh my God. And I was just like, I am never ever telling anybody ever again. Because it was true. I did shoot that video the week yeah. before. I was like, well, you wanted to know what I was doing. This is what I did. That's what I'm doing. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, my I have to say, my first 
I, so I'm a medical doctor, so I have seen so many of those videos of, like, I didn't realize until I got into the entertainment industry that that was, like, a job you could do as an mm-hmm. actor to be in this. That is amazing. I'm going to have to chat with my American nursing friends and be like, yes. so there's this video, <laughs> you should check it out, starring Ken Arnold, <laughs> not as the penis. <laughs> I, yes, I did the uh, inspecting the vagina, I did you know the breasts, I did knees, I did shoulders, I did a bunch of them. So, You're a series yeah. regular. I was, I was. <laughs> so... so I do need to ask you, otherwise my husband will be very sad. Tell me about your experience on The Wire. Oh, on The Wire? Oh, fantastic. Now, I I only got to work with Frankie Faison and John Duman, which was amazing. Um, You know, and then other uh, actors, you know, uh, day players. Because I was only a day player. I was only in there for a day. Um, I played the head of the car theft division. And uh, they reamed me out for uh, not working at night when... Most cars are stolen. So they were just, they were like, why don't you work at night? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so so cool. they, they, uh, they were screaming at me. But it was fantastic. I mean, Dan Atias, who was the director, he's directed some of the hugest, you know, shows in television. Yeah. You know, you, you can look at his resume and just be like, oh my God, you got the, he directed you? Yes. You know, uh, again, it was early in my career. And was I nervous? You better believe it. And, you know, it was, you know, I look back on it now and I go, well, I could have done that better. But, you know, but. I think every actor's like that. Anytime I watch myself, I'm like, ah, why'd I do it that way? <laughs> well, but it's, it's the legacy of it, right? Like that show yes. is just timeless, except for, you know, wiretapping isn't really a thing that happens anymore. But still, like that, it's it's the greatest show of all time in my personal it opinion. It is. And it to is. been a part of that. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a ton of my friends, my business partner, he was on for an entire season. Oh. So he, he played Dr. David Parenti in season four. So he was uh, Dan DeLuca is his name. And he, he was fortunate enough to be in 13 episodes. Oh, so, cool. yeah. That's and so uh, cool. here's a short story. We went out to Los Angeles to AFM, the American film market. Me, him and my other friend, uh, Matt Servito, who's in The Sopranos. He played uh, Agent Harris in The Sopranos. Mm. So we're at this party. Uh, at the film market and we're standing there and this guy comes up and he's like, oh, you were Agent Harris in HBO. And then he looked at my business partner. He goes, oh, and you were Parenti in The Wire. And then he looked at me and he goes, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I was like, You're like, um, head of the auto theft division, hello. Yes, exactly. I was like, mm, darn it. <laughs> so, but the great thing about uh, The Wire, the connection I had to The Wire is Guess who I just worked for again recently? Who? David Simon and George Pelicanos, the guys who created The Wire and yeah. produced The Wire. So I just worked for them again on a show called uh, We Own the City, and it'll be out in April on HBO. Fantastic. So, I think yeah. that beautifully ties in with exactly what you were saying about why are people so thinking of themselves when connections like this happen all the time in our industry, right? People you've worked with before, they're going to remember you, they're going to remember you were a decent human, or they're going to remember you were a garbage human and never want to work with you again. It's yes. This world is too small, right? To that is That is very true, because I have so many friends who know so many different people. I say, oh, yeah, did you ever work with so-and-so? And they're like, yeah, I, you know, we did a feature film, you know, we did this commercial, we did uh, a theater uh, play, you know, years ago in New York. 
everybody knows everybody, and yeah. there is no reason why, uh, especially when you go – and I don't understand this because I've seen this happen many times. Actors come in and they talk to the person at the desk of the casting director and they treat that person badly. Ugh. I'm like, you realize that that person will one day be the casting director. Yeah. That's why they're here. You know, yeah. They're working their way up to be – and I've seen it happen many, many times and it's just a shame. It's just a shame. Is there anything that you're getting ex- – you kind of mentioned something already that's coming out. But anything mm-hmm. else that you're excited about uh, coming up? Um, I've been asking people this mainly because I'm chatting with a lot of Toronto actors and we're still sure. like in the thick of COVID and it's the dead of winter and just nothing to look forward to. But is there anything you're looking forward to coming up this year? Uh, we have – I got a bunch of things that are actually uh, – a show called Swagger just came out on Apple TV that I'm in, um, and it's done really well. Uh, so if you go to uh, Apple TV right now, you can binge watch Swagger. It's a, it's about um, AAU basketball and how you know they, they approach the kids at such a young age now, and they mm-hmm. try to get you to play for this team by giving you this or giving you that. And it's a really great basketball show for kids, and uh, it, but it's a little bit more serious than that. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, that's out now on Apple Plus. Of course, we own the city on HBO. Will be out in April. Stars John Bernthal. Uh, you know, the Punisher was on. You know, Shane on Walking Dead. Uh, so, and he's a, he's been a friend of mine for years. We did. I worked on his first feature film because he's from Washington D.C. And we oh. did that film together years ago. And I saw them on set, and it was like, you know, we jumped right back into it, man, just because we hadn't seen each other in almost 20 years. It was crazy. But wow. we remembered each other. We used to play catch on set because <laughs> he played baseball as well. Uh, he was a catcher. Very good. Very good catcher as well. I have a film called A Comedy of Horrors that I produced that's coming out soon. It'll be out in April. Another thing coming out in April. Uh, I'm also in it, and I directed two of the segments. It's a it's a horror comedy anthology, actually. So, I directed two of the segments, and I produced the film, and I'm in one of the segments. And uh, we just shot this past year, and we're in the edit right now. I just got the edits for the for two thirds of the film yesterday from the editor. Just watched them down. It's a film called A Town Called Purgatory. It's a horror, <clears throat> it's a horror western. And we shot that in Austria earlier in 2021. Whoa. So, yeah, we shot a film in Austria during <laughs> lockdown in Austria. They were on hard lockdown. Yes. It was insane. It was crazy. Wow. But we did it. We managed. And uh, the reason being is because, number one, we saved money because the Austrian government paid for all the testing. We didn't have to pay for any of it. Interesting. So, hmm. Which was fantastic. Because if yeah. we'd have done it here, that tack on another 20%. You know, for to pay for your tests and the people to do the tests, you know, and your COVID control and all of that, it would have cost us a lot more. So we went to Austria, we shot, but we also had a bubble set. So it was an old Western town in Austria. Go figure. Who thought they would have an old Western town in Austria? I didn't. You know, we were just joking around. Yeah, we were just joking around with a friend of ours that produces movies in Austria. And we were like, yeah, you got any old west towns over there he goes yeah i got one 15 minutes from my office and we were like what so a half hour later he's down there giving us a video tour you know with his phone he's like check it out we got this isn't it all right we're on our way <laughs> so and the good thing about the set was the western town had a hotel built into it so the crew stayed in the hotel oh my gosh and 
they weren't allowed to leave. They couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, it was it was a hard lockdown anyway. You couldn't go anywhere. There was mm-hmm. no place to go. You know. Wow. The only place you could go was to the grocery store and, you know, if you wanted McDonald's, you could drive through the drive-through. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and what's that film called? It's called A Town Called Purgatory. It's a horror western. And there are three people from The Wire in that. Me, uh, my business partner, Dan DeLuca, and our really good friend that we always have. He's in all our films, Kevin Jiggets, who was in two episodes of The Wire, uh, season one and season two. So Again, you work with the same people because you know they're decent human beings. Exactly. So I don't know about DeLuca, though. He's uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> We're always joking about it, uh, you know, always – Always busting each other's chops. So. <laughs> My last question, just so I'm curious. How would your friends, loved ones, parents, whoever, guardians, how would they describe what you do for a living? Do they have any idea what you do for a living? It took a long time to get them to – and here's a, my grandmother. She was a wonderful woman who – she lived to be 98 years old and, she, you know, such a sweetheart. But every time I would see her, I'd walk in the house, and one of the first questions out of her mouth was, did you get a real job yet? I said, Grandma, you just watched me on TV. That is my job. No, no, no. No. I mean a real job. Like, you know, in an office as an accountant or manager of the the, uh, grocery store or something. She was like, did you get a real job yet? And she never failed. To the day, you know, she passed away. She would always ask me every time she saw me, Grandma, (laughs) I have a real job. This is my real job. I made more money. And I never never told her this, but, you know, I'm thinking in the back of my head. I made more money last year than you did in your entire lifetime, Grandma. With my not real job, exactly. With my not real job, but I, I you know, I didn't want to. I did. I didn't go there. I didn't say that to her. I just said, "Yeah, Grandma, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm getting there." You have the coolest background stuff yes. back there. Most people I talk to are like this with the mm-hmm. plain background. Tell me about some of the cool stuff you have back there. Well, this is this is the set to my live show that I do on Facebook called Apple Teenies with Ken. Apple teenies with Ken. Yes, we have apple teenies. Now, do we drink apple teenies? Sometimes. But you can drink whatever you want. You come on the show, you just bring your favorite drink. Right? I love it. So, I was just trying to be obscure. And when I came up with the idea for apple teenies with Ken, I was a big fan of Scrubs and Zach Yes, Graff. that's exactly what I was thinking of. In the show, he always had apple teenies. And I was like, you know what? Ah, that's a, an obscure drink that nobody would ever think that I would drink. So, apple teenies with Ken. And... uh We've been doing that since 2009, on and off. You know, the format has changed. We are going to a podcast, strictly a podcast format coming up Mm. where we pre-record because we've been doing a ton of live shows. And the live shows are fun and I enjoy them. But, you know, you get into these situations sometimes with the live shows where you're getting these questions and, you know, you're just like, ah, you know, I can't really talk about that. Do you mean like people are trying? Are people are commenting and stuff? Yeah, and you, you yeah, know, it's a, yeah. and it's just like I, you know, and you don't want to say anything or you don't want to go down a road that you just sometimes you just can't, you know. You yeah. just, so you try to ignore that stuff, but it's difficult because there's a, you know, there's so much turmoil going on because of the pandemic and everything that's happening. You just don't want to, you just don't want to go down certain roads. So that's why we are backing off the live feed and we're going more pre-recorded stuff. So then, you know, we have more control 
and yeah. and uh, we can always go yeah. back and say, yeah, we we need to take that out. That's not you know, yes. that, that's we something that we need out. to yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you know, hey, maybe we should add this. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And where do people find that? Uh, you can go to Apple Teenies with Ken on uh, Facebook. You can go to Instagram. You can go to Twitter. We have a handle there, you know, at Apple Teenies, W Ken with Ken. So, nice. And yeah, we're going to be uh, recording episode zero coming up this week. Me and my uh, my co-hosts. I have two co-hosts, Dan Franco and John Giovingo. And we've been doing it for a long time. And you see all the stuff behind me is stuff that they put up there, too. So I'm a I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So there's an Eagles thing back there. I am not a Washington Capitals fan. I lost a bet to Dan. <laughs> And now I got to have that on my wall. So, and then the Iron Man thing you see over my shoulder, yep. Johnny Johnny G's son drew that for us, and oh. that's that's Iron Iron Dan and Captain American. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's awesome. you know his son drew it. So you know we're all right. We got to put that up. You gotta. That's great. <laughs> Do so. you have any? final words of wisdom or any final thoughts just about you've had the coolest life honestly like what a fascinating career it's been fun it's been fun you know and i got a fantastic wife who supports it you know and she's she's uh very supportive of everything that i do and you know kudos to her because you know she could have said to me years ago you know what i'm gonna do like your grandmother and say have you got a real job yet So she she hasn't done that yet. So and I don't think she ever will. You know, she's fully supportive of what I do and uh some years are great, you know, acting wise and other years as you know, you know, acting is just oh man, when am I going to get that next job? When is going to and it, it it's tough sometimes. It really is. But because we're talking about the second act, people who are thinking about getting into acting because they have it happen all the time. They're like, "Ah, yeah, but I'm 50. Um, you know, I'm 60. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I should get into acting." Look, if you have a passion for it and you want to do it and you can afford to do it and, you know, I, I don't want you to, you know, be a starving actor at 50, 60 years old. But, you know, take classes, jump in, put your headshots out there, see if you can't, you know, start to get some work. It, it, it's possible. It's all possible. John Duman from The Wire, he worked on Wall Street till he was 42 years old. And then what did he do? He became an actor. Then he was on The Wire, and then he was in uh, Mystic River. You know, he was, and he's a well-known actor now, character actor. I had the opportunity to sit and talk to him about it, and he said, "Yeah, because my career didn't start until I was forty-two, right? If you want to be an actor, do it, but do it for the right reasons. Do it because you have to, because you love it. If you're on camera or you're on stage and you're in the audition room and you're just hoping that it's over." Just please, God, get me out of here. That's not the place for you. That's not where you need to be. Because it's your time. It's your time. So when you get on camera and you get on stage, that's got to be the time where you go, look out. It's my turn. Right? And you get up there and you do your thing. And if you can't do that or you don't have that feeling when it's happening, then you're in the wrong spot. You know, you got to find something else you love to do and do that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Ken, for being my guest this week. So I want to talk a bit more about competitiveness. So we talk, as you just heard or saw, a lot about that in this episode. But it's interesting if you 
have listened to or seen the other episodes with other actors, I asked them, you know, what surprised you about this industry? And a lot of people say what surprised them was how not cutthroat it was, how nice other actors are and supportive we all are of each other. And that was surprising because they were expecting, you know, stereotypically cutthroat, you know, dagger eyes in the audition room, et cetera, et cetera. But I think competitiveness is something that is in our industry massively. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I think it's actually a really good thing. I've been a really competitive person my entire life. I don't have the athletic skills to back that up. So I, you know, hence why I didn't really play that, you know, team sports growing up because I was super competitive, but didn't have the talent. Anyway, so really competitive growing up academically, I would say. I mean, my nickname in high school was Keener Tryhard. <laughs> um, and then, you know, going through undergrad, master's degree, medical school, still being pretty competitive because you kind of have to be if you want to work your way up into that through the academics. And then, you know, comparing that to Ken's career, you know, being super competitive in sports, working his way up to the upper echelons pro sport level. Exact same thing with acting, right? You start out, you know, in your high school or, you know, theater school or whatever, you know, working your way up and pretty soon competitively you get to the top tier. But now you're with people who are also as competitive as you. They are the cream of the cream is what the vice president of my medical school used to say when we were in medical school. You are the cream of the cream. I roll. Anyways, I think this competitiveness is really important. And I think it's actually a very positive thing for us. Because when I was in undergrad, you know, I found my similarly competitive people, and they became my people, you know who you are. And I really liked, quote unquote, competing against them. Because they would push me to be a better person. It was that positive competitiveness. And I think that's what we have in acting as well, too. And we should have that competitiveness is something I really like about myself. Because in acting now, especially now that I'm in the union, I am competing, competing against people who have been in this career since they were babies. This is the Olympics of acting. But these are the people I want to compete against because these are the people who are going to make me better at what I do. They're not going to make me, you know, rest on my laurels and be complacent. I need to train. I need to continue to be at these people's level and excel above that. And that's exactly what Ken was talking about. You have to train. You have to be prepared because sooner or later, you're going to find yourself surrounded by other people who are the cream of the cream. And that's where you want to be. I mean, in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. I think that's a quote from Bring It On. <laughs> Anyways, I am rambling. Rambling is done. But I think you get it, right? Like competition is healthy, but we need to keep it healthy, right? Don't be backstabby. Don't be a garbage person. Compete against other people in, the, in this industry, but also support them so that they can be competing against you and be bettering themselves. Anyways, sorry, rant is over. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Second Act Actors. I hope you'll tune in again next week for another incredible story. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. 
My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! 